0: Today's reading comes from Daniel, chapter 3, verses 13 through 30. All right, this is the reading of God's Word. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shemrach, Meshach, and Ben-Nego be bought. be bought. So they bought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shemrach, Meshach, and ben they that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sounds of the horn, pipe, Lear, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately, immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shamraḥ, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression on his face was changed against Shamrock, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of the army to bind Shamrock, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound to their cloaks, uh, cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shemrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shemrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished And rose up in haste. He declared to his counsellors, Do we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered to the king, True True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of God's. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fire furnace, he declared, Shamrach, Meshach, and Benedegus, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. Then Shamrach, Meshach, and Benego came out from the fire. And the satraps, prefects, and the governors, and the king counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had, had, not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair, the hair on their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shamrach, Meshach, and Benego, who has sent his angels and delivered his servant he trusted in him, And set aside, the king commanded and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shamrach, Meshach, or Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shamrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This was a reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer.
1: Father God, we ask, as we sit under your word and hear it, that you would show us Christ. Lord, whatever distractions in our thoughts and our hearts, we pray that we would come, lay it down at his feet. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, And allow our hearts to grasp the things that you have set aside for your holy people. Show us Christ today. And it's in his name we pray. We continue in chapter 3 and we picked up uh, right where we left off. Before we get into that, I want to share a part of a song. Uh, A brother from our ministry last week shared this old Christian classic rock song with me called Not Gonna Bow by Russ Taff. And as I listened to it, my initial thought was, hey, this is pretty good. I think classic rock, the spirit of it is to go against the man. And staying true to that, the artist here talks about Daniel 3. Ninety feet tall and nine feet wide. Solid gold, it must be a God, they were told. When you hear the music play, fall on your knees and begin to pray, they were told. But when the trumpet sounded, the whole world bowed. Three men stood there all alone. They said, not going to bow to your idols. Not going to bow. Oh, no. Not going to bow to your idols. I won't bow down. And I wanted to share this because I think it captures perfectly as a recap of what we looked at last week. In the beginning of chapter 3, we saw that King Nebuchadnezzar raised up a golden statue on the plains of Dora, hearkening back to the Tower of Babel. He commanded that every person would fall down and worship this statue when they heard the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music. Or else they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. So when the music played, everyone fell down and worshipped this statue, this image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. All but three men, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're told that Nebuchadnezzar was in furious rage as he commanded that these three men be brought. And we left off on verse 15 with these three men standing in defiance of King Nebuchadnezzar, standing for what they believe in. And this is what verse 15 says, if you look up with me. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, this is Nebuchadnezzar now speaking to the three men, fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? This is the question that echoes in our text today. Who is the God that will deliver Cedric, Meshach, and Ebenego? And our question today our question is, who is the God that will deliver us through the fire? This is how the three men responded to the king and his threats. It's crazy. And you can almost hear, this is madness. And someone goes, this is Babylon. How do these three men respond? This is, this is crazy. And try to appreciate what's happening here. Everyone else, everyone that has gathered bows down, falls on their face to worship the statue. And these three men refuse. And although they were given another chance, they remain standing. And this is what they say to King Nebuchadnezzar. Look up with me. This is what they say. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And then you can hear the gasp. If this be so, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I want to pause and think about their response here because it tells us a lot about who God is. And how we ought to worship God as we strive to be faithful. This is their theology. These three men, as they stand before the king of the time, all alone, standing for what they believe in. This is their theology. As Old Testament believers who are exiled in a foreign land, this is what they're holding to. This is their understanding of God. This is their faith now practiced. This is what they're essentially saying. This is what they're saying. When Nebuchadnezzar asked, who can deliver you? Who's going to save you from me if you disobey me? If you do not bow down, what God will deliver you from me? So they answered. and they say, we don't, we don't have to answer to you. We don't have to answer to you. God is able to deliver me from the mightiest king, the most fiery of furnaces. And then they say, but let it be known to you, O king, that even if he doesn't, that's okay. Because even if God doesn't save us from your hand and the fiery furnace, it doesn't change what we believe about him. It doesn't change who he is. If today we die, it doesn't mean it's because God doesn't exist or he doesn't love us. If we die today, it simply means we're going home. This was their theology about God. This is what they believed about Him. And I want us to pause here, friends. You see, oftentimes our faith is dependent on our experience, isn't it? Our theology oftentimes is based more on what God does for me rather than who He says He is. We see it all the time. People say, I don't believe in God because such and such happened. And if God really exists, then why did these things happen the way they did? And so so what happens? In our mind and in our belief, the objective truth about God is changed by the subjective experience of what we believe about God. And this is wrong. These people want Nebuchadnezzar to know God will save us, but even if he doesn't, that doesn't mean he doesn't exist or that he doesn't care. God is who he is, and that's why we worship him. God is the great I am. He is who he is. So friends, we have to ask ourselves, why do we worship God? Why are we gathered here today? Why do we have faith in him? Why do we struggle to grow in our faith and our understanding of him? Is it because we think it makes us a better person, more moral, more ethic? Is it because we believe that good fortune or good karma will return to us if we believe in God? Is it because we think that he protects us and gives us security for the future and that nothing bad will happen to us? Do we believe in God because we think we can get X, Y, and Z? If that's the case, we're not believing in the God of heaven. We're believing in a lowercase g, who again at the end will simply say bow or burn. God is worshipped not because of what he does for his people simply, but God is worshipped because he is God. And this is what these three men understand. And this is why they're able to stand in front of the threats of this king as their life is hanging on the balance. They're able to stand up for their faith because they know even if they experience the worst possible things, even if they lose their life, it doesn't change who God is. And his love for them and their love for him. Friends, do we worship God simply because of who he is? Or do we worship him because we want other things? But standing for our faith is hard because oftentimes, much like our context today, the world wants us to bow and worship images or symbols, ideals, Leaders, political movements, material goods, sex, wealth. It wants us to take the good things and make it the ultimate thing. And so standing up for our faith is hard because by doing so, sometimes our lives or our livelihood is at stake. Standing up for our faith is hard because sometimes it's easier just to give in to the temptations of our lust and desire. Standing up for our faith is hard because not too many do it we find that when we do we are standing amongst the minority standing up for our faith is hard because the world ultimately has a different goal standing up for our faith is hard because as christians as we have stated before in the beginning of our series in daniel we live in between two worlds a sin-fallen world that is fading away and the kingdom that is quickly approaching We will never be able to stand for our faith if our belief in God constantly shifts and changes because of our experiences. We can stand in our faith if we know that God is who he is, never changing, all powerful, the God of heaven, the God of wisdom, the God of might. The one who can raise up kings and bring down kings. The one who can raise up kingdoms and bring down kingdoms. The one who by a little stone can make an everlasting kingdom of peace and rest and joy with eternal life. Moving on, if Nebuchadnezzar was not angry enough, verse 19 tells us that he was filled with fury. And I love this part because it's so descriptive, right? This is what it says. It says, the expression of his face was changed against them. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually is. Sometimes when my boys get out of line, parents, you know, sometimes all it takes is a good look, a change of the expression. Husbands, you know, when you've said something wrong or done something wrong and the expression of your wife's face changes against you, boy, you better run. Nebuchadnezzar was so angry at these men. He wanted the furnace heated seven times its normal temperature. Can you imagine the guys on shift duty that day at the furnace? The chief furnace attendant comes, like, hey, boys, listen up, man. Hey, King Nebuchadnezzar is Furious man. He said heat this thing up seven times what it usually is. And you can see the guys going, What? What does that even mean? It's like yeah, the dude is angry. You should have seen his face. It changed. Oh, you should have seen the burning look in his eyes. He said, crank the heat up. And the guys are probably sitting there like this is this is crazy. This is crazy. We see uh, I I love the Hebrew narrative. You see so much depiction here. The urgency, the haste, the intensity, the fire that is building up. The fire in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar. The life of these three men trying to stand up for what they believe in. And it is just intensifying. And it's getting hotter and hotter. And the question is, who is the God that will save these three men? We're told that the king's order was so urgent that as as the mighty men bound these three guys and took them into the furnace, it was so hot that these men died. The men that were following the orders of the king died simply by the heat of the furnace. And these three men, Cedric, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into the fire. And you can probably almost hear the irony. The songs that were supposed to lead them to worship the idol, they're probably singing different songs in there, songs of praise to their God who was able to deliver them. And I know this is not a praise song, but I, you know, I imagine them singing Through the Fire, Shaka Khan, right? What do you know about Shaka Khan? It was before my time, but the younger generation know it through a different artist. Through the fire, to the limit, to the wall. For a chance to be with you, I gladly risk it all. Through the fire, through whatever, come what may. For a chance at loving you, I take it all the way, right down to the wild, even through the fire. And we see these three men bound. We're told they had their hats, their cloaks, their tunics, and the outer garments. That's crazy, right? If you're going to throw them into the fire, I mean, at least, give me, at least give me some shorts and a tank top, right? They threw him fully dressed, hat and all, and they threw him in there. But as we continue, verse 24 tells us something, that King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He looked in and he, and he saw something in there. He rose up in haste. And we're told that he saw a fourth person in there, like the son of the gods, who was unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, unharmed with the other three men. And Nebuchadnezzar asks his people, "All the, hey, didn't we put three guys in there? And they say, yes, king, we did. He says, how come, who, who is, what's, hap- what's going on? And so then he calls in to this furnace, as it's raging fire, and he says, Cedric Meshach, Ebendigo, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And so they come out. And all who were gathered, the king himself, the sea traps, the, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, they all see that the flames that was supposedly heated seven times the temperature, as hot as it can be, these three men come out unharmed, and they're wondering who was this fourth unbound person. You see the irony here, don't you? That the king who seemed to be so powerful is not able to protect his own men following his orders. The men who were through these three men and burned and died simply by the proximity of the heat. Yet, God who was able to save these men, even through the fire, bring out Sidrach, Meshach, and Abednego unharmed through the fire unharmed. The mighty men of the king's army who bowed down and worshipped the idol, they listened to the commands and the decree of the king but they simply ended up losing their lives. But the three men who stood and refused to bow because of their knowledge of who the God of heaven is and their desire to worship and to be faithful to him were thrown into the fiery furnace was met with an angel or perhaps Christ before his incarnation. They were protected. They were kept. And they were ultimately delivered out of the fiery furnace and out of the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. If you look up, Matthew 16, 25 to 26 says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits its soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The three men cared more about being faithful to God than simply preserving their own life by worshiping an idol. They were willing to lose their lives rather than gain the whole world. And so the Lord delivers them through the fire, through the fire. And we're, we hear echoes of Isaiah 43, if you look up. And this is what the prophet says to his people, but thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Now it may not have been Nebuchadnezzar who spoke these words, trying to echo the prophet Isaiah, but to the ears of Cedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it might as well have been God Himself declaring and calling them by name and saying, "Servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here." God was with them in the fire. God delivered them through the fire into safety. But I want us to remember. Because it's easy to walk away from hearing this text and think, yeah, you know what? If we're just brave and stand up for God, we'll get through any fiery trial. If that were true, we would have no missionaries as martyrs, we would have no faithful Christians who were persecuted. It is true, God is with us through every fiery trial, but God's concern is not for us to live forever here but his desire is to give us eternal life and an eternal home. Yes, God chose to deliver these three men out of the fire. But who will deliver us through the fire? We see that without God's help, our ultimate fate is the fiery furnace of the world. Even if we do a good job worshiping the idols of the world and follow their commands and bow down, just like the men of Nebuchadnezzar's army, even if we are faithful to the idols of the world, sometimes, even getting close to the fire, we will lose our lives. Yet if we look to God, we will see that he has sent the one who will not only be with us in the fire, but ultimately goes through the fire of judgment to deliver us. Again, what's interesting about chapter 3 is that Daniel is not mentioned at all in chapter 3. This is a reminder that though he is the author, he's still not the main character. And, 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 and lest some of us think, oh, maybe that fourth person in the fire was Daniel. It wasn't. Because we're, we shouldn't be looking for Daniel in chapter 3. We should be looking for Christ in chapter 3, you and I. And if we think back to the Garden of Eden and the initial fall of man, we know that God sent Adam and Eve out, so that they would not reach the tree of life and be stuck in their sinful state forever. And God places an angel there by the gate with a flaming sword to guard the tree of life. And if anyone should try to enter again, they would have to go through the flaming sword, the fury, fiery judgment. Genesis 3.24, look with me here. It says, He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Yet this is what Christ did for us on the cross. By giving up his own life on the cross, he took on the flaming sword of judgment for our sins. And by doing so, he secured for us what Adam or no other king or no other God could do. He secured for us eternal life. And this is why God sent his one and only son, so that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus himself models it here for us, doesn't he? He does not seek to gain his own life, but to give it up so that others would have life through him as well. This is why the good news of Jesus is so important for us as we go through the trials and fiery furnaces of our life. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we're told when we believe that all who believe in him will only experience the shadow of death. This is why Jesus is Lord and Savior and God with us. Because he's the one who has gone through it. He's with us in it and delivers us out of it. And by his faithfulness, we are counted righteous. So when we face the fires of this world, God promises that he will be with us. He will be with us even if we should perish that we will be with him I know as Christians we talk a lot about eternal life and I want to be clear that it doesn't mean we get to live on here live here on this earth with all the pleasures forever when we talk about eternal life it means not at this place that's fading not in this world where sin has affected everything and and it's crumbling but we mean to have life for all eternity in a kingdom that cannot be shaken, in a kingdom not made by the hands of man, in a place where you don't hear bow and burn, but you hear bow and live. Friends, it's in our fiery times that we hear the Lord Jesus call out to us by name, as he says, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And perhaps when we cross that side we will remain here to be faithful as we carry out the rest of the days of our lives. But perhaps when we hear that call we will be on the other side of glory and eternal rest. But Jesus is the one that saves us through the ultimate fire and he's with us through our daily fire. He's gone through it he delivers us out of it. Let me conclude with this in verse 30. Verse 30 ends with Nebuchadnezzar again promoting Sedrach, Meshach, and Ebenego. And this is true. The world will give and take away your promotions. The world will give and take away your value to some degree. But know this: only God give and take away life. The fires of this world can be hot, it can be frightening, but can we look to our God, can we look to Jesus who is there with us, our God who is a consuming fire, who doesn't need us to burn, but rather fans our flames. Consuming fire, fan into flame, a passion for your name. Spirit of God, would you fall in this place? Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way with us. Come like a rushing wind. Clothe us with power from on high. Now set the captives free and leave us abandoned to your praise. Lord, let your glory fall. Lord, let your glory fall. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that as we experience fiery trials, as we think about the ultimate fiery furnace, that we would look to Christ who is there, who has gone through and delivers, who if we believe calls us by name and says, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here to me. God, we confess we are afraid and we look to many other things for security for our children, security for the future, security for our jobs. And oftentimes we bend our knees and we bow and we worship other things because we're afraid that if we don't, we won't have everlasting security and provision. But Lord, we turn to you And we ask that you would open our eyes to see Christ once more. Christ, who is in there with us, who brings us through, and ultimately brings us home. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.